Hi, my name is Michael Sano. I'm Jewish and I love Israel. So if you love Israel, if you love being Jewish, or if you have an unwavering connection to the land of Israel, then you're in the right place. Welcome to the 12 Cities in Israel podcast. Shalom, shalom, shalom. Hey, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? My name is Michael Sano, and welcome, welcome, welcome to the 12 Cities in Israel podcast, the only positive podcast about the food, the people, the culture, and the history of the state of Israel. Hey, listen, if this is your first time watching, don't forget to hit the like button, the subscribe button, and the notification bell so you get all the brand new episodes. Um... If you want to take us with you, you can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and on Spotify. And this episode, as always, is brought to you by the 12 Cities in Israel Modern Hebrew Flashcards. The the 12 Cities in Israel (laughs) Modern Hebrew Flashcards. They are the best way to learn Hebrew and also the best way to brush up. You can find them on Amazon for Kindle. And if you don't have Kindle, uh, you can download it through the link in the description below. Um, It works on Android, iPhone, iPad, PC, and Mac. And uh, yeah, you gotta get it. Also, hey, listen, um, I got my children's book, uh, Who is a Jew? Which is a great, great, great bedtime story uh for your kids it talks uh tells them about how awesome it is to be jewish so uh check it out you can also find that on amazon for kindle all right hey welcome back welcome back welcome back we are in where are we look up on the board we are in natanya this is our second um this is our second part of the two-part uh the Israel, a uh, 12 cities in Israel. What I am jacking this whole thing up. Um, <laughs> this is the second part of our The 12 Cities in Israel series, um, showing you all of the, the wonderful cities in Israel. And as of uh, and of course, we start with the uh, we start with the history in part one and we follow it with the modern city. Now, as you guys remember, there wasn't uh, a bunch of ancient history to Natanya. There was some along the Poleg stream, um, but overall, Natanya was pretty much um, grown at the beginning of the 20th century. It was grown and it's become what it is today. And I'm going to show you what it is today. So let's get on with it. So Natanya uh, sits in the northern central district of Israel and is the capital of the surrounding Sharon Plain. It's the seventh largest city in Israel uh, by population and sits on the beautiful Israeli Mediterranean coastal plain, just over 18 miles to the north of Tel Aviv and about 35 miles south of Haifa. Netanya was named after the prominent Jewish-American philanthropist, which I went over in the last episode, and co-owner of Macy's department store, uh, Nathan Strauss. And I told you the the story of how they named it uh, since he was giving away 
I think it was a third of his wealth. Um, they named it after him in the hopes that he would donate money. But he was out of money by the time they asked him. He wasn't out of money, but he was out of his philanthropic funds. And uh, he had nothing for them. But he eventually did wind up um, going in on the city of Netanya. Now, as you guys know, we always start. Uh, we end the history with the uh, with the British mandate, and we start it um, either with the Independence War or with the uh, with the with the uh, what is it the Civil War that happened in in uh, mandate in Mandatory Palestine um, from I think it was forty seven to forty eight. Um, and that is where we start. And we start with something uh, that's really interesting, a little bit heartbreaking, but let's get through it. Um, so during the Jewish insurgency in Palestine, the Jewish underground group uh, Ergun launched a number of, attack, of attacks against British military and police forces in the, in the Netanya area. And the town itself was a bastion of support for the Ergun. But one of the darkest chapters in their history occurred in July 1947 in what became known as the Sergeant's Affair. So the Irgun, so you know we have a couple of different underground um, Jewish groups that are fighting two different groups. They're fighting the Arab nationalists uh, on the one side. Um, they're fighting the Islamists on another side. Then uh, I I personally think those are two different groups, and then they're also fighting the British, who have cut off, um, who have cut off all immigration of Jews into Israel. And what makes this so heartbreaking is that World War II had just ended, the Shoah, the Holocaust, was known, and they continued the practice anyways. Um, so prior to this, the Akko prison break, and I go over that in my episode on Akko, the modern city, um, occurred. And this was an Irgun operation that led to the freeing of Jewish prisoners who were part of the Jewish underground groups Haganah, Lehi, and Irgun. Now, they were all being held by the British in the central prison in Akko. And for the Jewish underground, uh, time was definitely of the essence because Britain in the wake of this insurgency had lost patience with the Jews under their charge and had begun to execute those that they saw as the most dangerous. Uh, this started on April 19th, 1947, when the British hanged four Irgun members, uh, Dov, Dov uh, Gruner, Yehiel Dresner, Mordecai Alkhani and Eliezer Kashani in Akko prison. And this is what prompted the Jewish underground to break through the walls of the prison in Akko and free 27 Irgun and Lekhi prisoners. There were also 200 Arab prisoners that were freed during this prison break. Now, this brazen act on behalf of the Jewish residents of Mandatory Palestine had tragic consequences, though, because on July 28th, 1947, at the break of dawn, the British executed Irgun militants of Shalom, Haviv, Meir Nakar, and Yaakov Weiss. 
Now, just before this happened, though, the Jewish underground group Irgun kidnapped two British Army Intelligence Corps NCOs, Sergeant Clifford Martin and Sergeant Mervyn Pace, uh, and threatened to hang them if the death sentences passed on the Irgun prisoners were carried out. So they knew about it, went and kidnapped, uh, the Irgun knew about it, went and kidnapped these, uh, these officers and then held them hostage. These three men had been captured by the British during the Yako prison break and were tried and convicted on charges of illegal possession of arms and with the intent to kill or cause other harm to a large number of people. So those were the charges that were against the three that were about to be hanged by the British. Um, now, when word came out that Haviv, Nakar, and Vice were executed by hanging, uh, the Irgun killed the two sergeants and hanged their booby-trapped bodies for the British to find in a eucalyptus grove outside of Netanya. And when they came up upon the body, a British uh, officer was injured. Um, but this, this just this, this, it's vile. It's vile. One, it's vile that the Irgun did this. Um, but I just the heartbreak at at the uh, at the the resoluteness, and and I don't mean that in a positive way, but just that the the flip of a switch, the British go well. We're just going to have to execute them, and I just I mean. It, I was talking to uh, someone I know who's uh, has Irish family, and they were talking about uh, what it was like at the turn of the century in the early uh, not not the turn of the century, the early 1900s in Northern Ireland, and this was something that was done. I, I this was something that the British did in their territories. If you got too up, they would just start executing people and i can see where the ergun came from um i don't condone it but i uh, i can totally understand the heartbreak um so yeah all right um i gotta move out of that i have to move into the war for independence now following the withdrawal of british forces from natanya and the 1948 War for Independence, the city of Netanya did not see much fighting. Um, instead, the city became a hub for military support. And because of its relatively secure location away from the fighting lines, a large military base was established in the city. And from here, forces were able to be directed and reinforced as needed from a place of relative safety. So... Eventually, the British left, and when they left, we all know what happened. The uh, the surrounding Arab countries attacked Israel, and Netanya, luckily, um, was kept somewhat safe. Now, um, on December third, nineteen forty eight, after fighting in the area had calmed down, Netanya was officially designated a city and was the first city to be designated in the newly established Jewish state. Um, now, when this happened, a number of nearby settlements, Ramat Tomkin, uh, in Hat 
Kletlet. Uh, that one's a tongue twister. Um, Pardes, Hagdud, and Ramat Ephraim were all annexed into Greater Netanya. And at the time, the city had a population of about 11,600. Now, in 1949, Netanya's Kiryat Eliezer Kaplan Industrial Zone was inaugurated. And the nearby settlement of Neve Itamar, which had been founded in 1944, was also annexed into the city. Now, in 1953, the Netanyahu, the Netanya, Netanyahu, it's, it's, I, you don't know how many times I did the, that when I was writing. Um, I had written Netanya, started to go write Netanya, and wound up writing Netanyahu. Anyways, um, in 1953, the Netanya railway station was opened, connecting the city to the Israeli railway system. In the 1950s, Israel experienced a wave of Jewish immigration, both voluntarily from Europe and America, but also due to the expulsions from the Middle East and North Africa. And with this, Netanya saw a significant increase in its population. And in the years that followed independence, the largest of these immigrant groups consisted of about, are you ready for this? 14,000 Libyan Jews. Welcome, welcome to Netanya. Um, that's awesome. So there is a, 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 an amazing Libyan community that dates all the way back to the early part of the state. Now in the shadow of this new uncertainty, um, Netanya, uh, I'm going to do it about 48 times. Netanya decided to look towards the future and built what would be Israel's first stock exchange. Now, what um, am I talking about? I'm talking about this expulsion. I'm talking about um, tons of countries in the region cutting it off. They decided to say, hey, you know what? You're going to do this. We're going to look towards the future. We're not looking towards the past. This is the country. We're going to build a stock exchange. So they had the first stock exchange in Israel. That is so cool. Now, Netanya's success as both a place for business and a place for leisure attracted a lot of newcomers to the Jewish state. And in 1955, the population of the city went from, what did we say it was originally? That it was 11,600. It is now 31,000 um, in 1955. That's only, what? That's only five years later. Now, to accommodate this large influx of New Olim, the Israeli housing ministry built, um, they had set out on a project to construct brand new housing. And you can see some of this housing still around today. Um, there are a couple of towns where you can see it, like uh, Beersheva um, and in, uh, what is it, in Ashdod, but you can also see it in Netanya, these remnants of early uh, Israeli history. All right, uh, architectural history. You never thought you were getting architectural history on this channel, did you? Um, so this is to Peter Madeira and Jay Hats. I have to have my sip of coffee. Um, this is for you guys. They're my Patreon subscribers. Always got to give a shout out. Mm. Oh, this coffee is amazing. All right, and moving on, we're just in 1955. The city's only been around a couple of years in the state. The state's only been around a couple of years. So in 1956, another group of new immigrants from the Sans Hasid community 
laid the cornerstone for the religious neighborhood of Kiryat Sanz. And that's going to come up again. So pay attention. Um, by 1961, the uh, Netanya's population had grown to 41,300. So it's booming. This is what? This is like 10 years. Now, while relatively untouched during the war of 1948, this would not be the case with 1967 Six-Day War. Now, during the conflict, Netanya was hit by Jordanian artillery and Jordanian planes made a number of attempts towards Net attacking Netanya. But all of these attempts failed to cause anything more than minor damage, with the exception of one attempt uh, made by a lone Iraqi bomber, which did successfully make it through after dropping several bombs, which damaged a factory and caused a small number of casualties. It was intercepted and shot down. Now the hostilities of 1967 didn't put an end to the people's, uh, to people's desire to live in the Jewish state, and by 1972, Netanya now had a population of 71,100. In 1975, Netanya saw the opening of the Laniado Hospital, and starting with an outpatient clinic, they gradually expand, expanded uh, throughout the following years, and I'll tell you more about that hospital. Um, by 1983... Natanya's population had grown to 102,300. And in response to this increase in the urban population of the city in 1982 and in 1985, um, a new standard for apartment size uh, was established and it increased it to a minimum of 100 square meters, giving residents of the city more living and breathing rooms. So they saw, I mean, this is urban planning in action. And you have to understand, um, in the early days, the government was, uh, had a hand in building the housing. So they saw that more people were moving, the city was getting more crowded. So let's rebuild and all the new apartments have to have more living space. That's awesome. Um, now, Hotel development during uh, along the coast was also increased at this time. And as a result of this, tourism started to increase, bringing more people and more money to the city. And at its peak in the 1980s, Netanya accounted for 10%, 10% of domestic tourism in Israel. So that's people traveling um, all over the city or all over the country from within Israel to go on vacations. Now that's moved down to a lot, but at one point, Netanya was the place to be. Now this together with its thriving diamond industry, which I'm going to do an entire episode on, um, because it's a great story and I don't have enough room for it in this episode. Um, but it led, uh, to Netanya being known as the tourism and diamond city. And Netanya's tourism would later slow down after the diamond industry moved from the city, as well as a change in focus by the government towards um, other developing areas uh, being targeted for tourism, targeted, uh, targeted for development. Uh, they wanted to build up these other cities. 
the government did. So in the 1990s, large numbers of new immigrants from the former Soviet Union saw the Russian language come to Netanya. And this new wave of immigration, the first in decades, greatly expanded uh, the city's population and resulted in the construction of, again, new large-scale housing projects. So we're seeing Netanya grow again. Now, this most recent wave of immigration that is increasing the population, the most recent wave of immigration that is increasing the population of Netanya's, uh, of Netanya is still in progress today with the arrival of French Jews um, to Israel that started in the 2000s. Now, as you know, there's been a lot of violence, anti-Semitic violence against Jews um, in France, and there has been a push uh, from the Jewish agency telling them that if you want to come, just please, we'll help you out. Now, Netanya has become one of the primary destinations for thousands of French Jews who have settled in the city's neighborhoods. And as of 2019, Netanya has had a population of 221,353. It is huge. Um, yeah, it is just growing it, and growing and growing, and it's probably going to continue to grow, and it's a beautiful city. And now I'm going to tell you about all the beautiful things. Um, so this is what's in Netanya. We're going to start with Laniado Hospital, and it is it, it, Netanya is home to Laniado Hospital, which is also known as the Sons Medical Center. And it is a voluntary non-profit non hospital in the neighborhood of Kiryat Sanz. Remember, I told you I was going to tell you about it. It serves a regional population of over 450,000 in both Greater Netanya and the Sharon Plain. It opened in 1975 by Rabbi, Rabbi whoa, my brain. It opened in, in 1975 by Rabbi Yakuziel Yehuda Halberstam, the first Klausenberger Rebbe. And Laniado Hospital is run according to uh, Jewish law, it says, and customs, and is known as the only hospital in Israel which is never closed due to a strike. Um, it is administered by the Sanz Klausenberg Hasidic dynasty under the direction of the present um, Sans Klausberger Rebbe, Rabbi Svi Elimelech Halberstam. And while it is not a major emergency care center, Leniado served a critical role as a triage hospital during the more than 20 Netanya area suicide bombings and terrorist attacks. Uh, that occurred during the Second Intifada. The worst of these was the 2002 Passover massacre at the Park Hotel that killed 29 people. Um, Leniado has also treated wounded soldiers from the First and Second Lebanon War, and hospital personnel have developed an emergency preparedness protocol that regularly updates surgeons, trauma specialists, cardiologists, and pediatricians on their roles during an emergency. Um, it's, it stinks that that's what hospitals in Israel have to be ready for. They have to be ready for war. Um, but I'm going to get off of that. And I'm going to move to something that I love, which is sport. Um, so Netanya is home to three football teams, um, thus showing how much the residents of the city love the sport. 
um, with the main team being Maccabi Netanya, who play at Netanya Stadium, which holds 13,610 people. Their main local rival is the team Beitar Nestubruk. And the third in this city is Maccabi Hasharon Netanya, though this team has been limited to four-tier Israeli football in the country's Liga Bet. Now, in basketball, the city is represented by Elitzer Netanya in the first tier of Israeli basketball. The city also has handball and baseball teams. Um, as part of the Netanya City of Sport program, the city built a beach soccer stadium and is currently host of the Israeli Championship and the International Diamond Tournament Games. Now, alongside their professional sports teams, um, the city of Netanya is also home to boxing, fencing, judo, gymnastic, and lacrosse clubs. If you want to do sport, go to Netanya. Um, Netanya is famously known as the home of Krav Maga, uh, the martial art developed by Emil Lichtenfeld who also opened a sports academy in Netanya for the continuation of the study and training of the discipline. And if you go through um, my videos on the 12 Cities in Israel uh, channel on YouTube or in our podcast, you can find that episode, and I, I go into that pretty in-depth. It's a cool episode. Now, something you might not have known is that Netanya is the home of paragliding in Israel, so the moderate seaside cliffs, coupled with a stiff offshore breeze, make the area an ideal environment for safe and fun, comfortable paragliding. Gliders can often be seen cruising high above the beach just along the cliff line. And in July 2018, Netanya hosted the World Lacrosse Championship Tournament. And the hosting of this international tournament made Israel the first country to host a sports event where English was not the primary spoken language. Um, 46 nations from around the world sent their teams uh, uh, to compete. So you have 46 nations who sent teams from their countries to compete, and that's pretty awesome. Um, all right, so speaking of sport, let's move into the Wingate Institute, which is also in Netanya. And it was... Established in 1957, and it is known officially as the Ord Wingate Institute for Physical Education and Sports. And it's a sports training facility located just south of Netanya. It's named after Ord Wingate, a British general assigned to mandatory Palestine, who became an ardent supporter of Zionism. The facility serves as the host facility for numerous Israeli national teams, Olympic teams, um, as well as a military training base for the unit Bahad 8, which develops and conducts training related to fitness standards for soldiers, as well as hand-to-hand -hand combat. So that's where Israeli soldiers learn Krav Maga. Now, on the campus of the Wingate Institute are numerous athletic fields, there is one rugby pitch that serves as the, as the home pitch of the Israel National Rugby Union team. Additionally, there are numerous fields that have been used as venues for various events held during the Maccabi Games. Um, now, the Wingate 
Institute is also home to a state-of-the-art swimming complex that features an Olympic-sized pool with 10 lanes, an 8-lane 50-meter pool, and a 6-lane 25-meter pool. And in 1989, the Institute was awarded the Israel Prize for sport. So that's like the highest prize, the Medal of Freedom, the Medal of Honor, uh, the Victoria Cross... Uh, some of those are military honors, but um, it's the highest thing you can get. And the entire Wingate Institute was awarded that. And I think that's beautiful. Um, let me have a sip of coffee. Hold on just one sec. Because Natanya has a ton of stuff in it. And it, most people don't even know about Natanya. Natanya. Oh, yeah. All right. They know Tel Aviv. They know Jerusalem. They know Yafo. Some may know a lot, um, some may know Haifa, but nobody knows about Netanya. Um, so there are a number of academic institutions that make their homes in Netanya, and they are the Netanya Academic College, which offers bachelor's and master's degree and a unique program for high school students. Um, the Ori Hermelin College of Engineering the Zinman College of Physical Education and Sports Sciences, Leslie College, and the Tesler School for Nursing. And all of these educational facilities are inside Natanya. That's awesome. Now, Natanya is also home to a number of museums, like the Wellhouse, which is a museum documenting the early history of Natanya, and it is located in a historic building dating from 1928. So this is when the kibbutzim and the moshavim were there. Um, this is before Natanya even existed. Um, and it's a remnant of the Pardes Hagdud farm um, and features a restored water pump and photographs from the time and there's also a gallery where you can also watch a movie about illegal Jewish immigrants fleeing from Nazi uh, Europe so you you have this presentation you have this gallery you have all these photographs and you have this place that is the history of Netanya now other museums uh, in Netanya are the tribes of Israel Pearl Museum of Yemenite Jewish heritage uh, the Shlomo Doror in Art Institute and the Diamimon Diamond Museum. So you can find out all of this history that I've just told you about. Um, now, some art galleries that the city has are the Cliff Gallery, the Gosher Gallery, the Abakasis Gallery, and Fourth Gallery. And they all show a wide range of mediums and styles. And you can really get your art on in Natanya. So that's really cool. So another museum, but I thought that it kind of stood out by itself, is called Planetania. Uh, get it? Planetania? Natanya? Um, Planetania is a planetarium where the entire family can learn about the solar system and space. And there are also displays and exhibits that give you a chance to become more imaginative through holographic displays, building things, and even origami. You can do origami there. That's so fun. This educational attraction is designed to be fun for all ages. So the whole family can do it. Um, 
But one of the things that I love to talk about when I talk about a city, and I do it with every single one, and if you're an academic and you want to punch me in the face, go ahead, but I love them all. Uh, <laughs> so every episode, I have to talk about the mall that they have because I love to shop. And you always need to know where you need to, when you need to pick up an extension cord, where you go. So... Does Natanya have a mall? Of course they have a mall. It's called the Ir Yami Mall. And the shopping addicts should not miss this, uh, miss quenching their craving for high-fashioned accessories and outfits while discovering the amazing city of Natanya. Now, this large shopping center is divided into three levels and also into several sections, such as footwear and a clothing area, a supermarket, they have a supermarket in there, along with various eateries where you can grab an authentic Israeli lunch. So that's awesome. I love malls. Tel Aviv Mall, I love the mall in, uh, I love the mall in Jerusalem, Beersheba, Haifa, uh, all the malls. I live for malls. Um, can you tell? All right, moving on, um, I'm going to tell you about Hamega Ash, and if you think your weary body needs some pampering treatments, this is from uh, the site, um, you can benefit from the spa services of Hamega Ash. Now, try the relaxing massage or soak in the mineral pool to refresh your stiff muscles and boost your mood. This place is highly recommended as it's more reasonably priced than the other spas in Natanya. Uh, but bring your own towel and robe or you will be charged for the rental. Plus, on top of that, you get to wear your own stuff. So next, we're going to move to the Alexander Stream at Hof Bet Yanai National Park. So if you want to liberate yourself from the city's traffic, there is no better place than the Alexander Stream at Hof Bet Yanai National Park. Um, and the clear turquoise river is loaded with freshwater fish. There are meadows overgrown by a number of colorful flowers and an ancient stone structure is naturally displayed. And now this lovely grassy place is Natanya's hidden and unseen paradise. Yeah, so that's awesome. So if you are going and you're doing all this stuff and you're shopping and you go back to the hotel and you say, you know what, I just want a place, go to the Alexander Stream. Check it out. Now, we're going to finish up where I always finish up, if it's a, and that is on the beaches. I live for the beaches. The beaches are my favorite thing. I love the sun. I live for it. And Natanya has some amazing beaches. So Natanya has been blessed with beautiful seashore uh, stretching along the city's Mediterranean side. And these stunning beaches are some of the finest that Israel has to offer. And each has its own unique flavor. Uh, the bathing beaches have sports and vacation facilities for the entire family and are filled with bathers and vacationers throughout the summer. Now, above the beach, there is a ridge of rugged cliffs with a long romantic promenade overlooking the area. And I'm only going to, there are a ton of beaches. There's like five, six beaches. I'm going to talk about the two, the top two. Um, 
and everything else just kind of falls into line. So the first one is Poleg Beach, um, and it's different from the rest of Natanya's beaches. It is flat as opposed to the other beaches, which feature cliffs. Um, here you can find a great stretch of sand, a gourmet restaurant, a soda booth, changing rooms, and lifeguard services. Now, Poleg Beach... Uh, its northern side is designated for motorized sea sports, and its southern side serves kite surfers. Now, Poleg Beach offers pergolas, uh, fitness facilities, and both junior beach soccer and volleyball fields. Uh, in the summer months, this beach is the location of the sand football tournaments, and on the southern side of Pulig Beach, you can see the surfing vacation beach and gliders overhead. So they're surfing and gliding here, uh, the paragliders. Now, often there are up to 70 gliders in the air at any one time. That's magnificent. Um, and that's Pulig Beach. The next one I'm going to talk about is... Argaman Beach, and it's located in the south of Natanya, near the neighborhoods of Neot Shaked and Ramat Yadin. And Armagan Beach is fairly narrow with beautiful white sand and clear blue Mediterranean water. Oh. The beach has lifeguard services, toilets, exercise facilities, uh, Tammuz restaurant operates a mini bar on the beach and offers a rich menu of fish and seafood. Now, every evening there is a party on the beach that attracts people from all over the Sharon Plains. So this is the Sharon Plains beach. Um, and it's a great place to start a five and a half mile walk throughout all of Natanya's beaches and the entrance to Argaman Beach is free of charge. And there is close parking that is, there's parking close by that is also free, which is awesome. Um, and all right, that's it. That's Natanya. Um, I hope you like this episode. Uh, I, I'm sorry I got a little rough, but uh, there are things that happen in Israeli history that I think are important to talk about. And um, you guys know my stance. Uh, violence is, is, is a tough thing to swallow, and it happens, and you have to address it. And if you don't address it, then you're not being true to the information. And this thing is all about being straight. So um, giving you the best information, giving you the objective information with a little bit of how I feel about it. So, all right, that's it. Um, Hey, if you like this video, hit the like button, the subscribe button, and the notification bell. If you want to take us with you to the gym when you go for a walk or drive in the car, uh, you can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and on Spotify. Um, this video, as I said in the beginning, was brought to you by the 12 Cities in Israel Modern Hebrew Flashcards, the best way to learn Hebrew or to brush up. Um, they're available on Amazon for Kindle. If you don't have a Kindle, that's okay. You can download the Kindle app for Android, iPhone, uh, iPad, PC, and for Mac. Um, 
and we have a new uh, flashcard set that I'm working on. It's Verbs. It is dense. It's going to be a little bit more expensive. All of our flashcards are ten bucks. Um, this one's probably going to be twenty, but it's also double the information. Um, it gives verb conjugations, pronouns, all that stuff. It is a gold mine, um, and that's going to be coming to you soon. I have to go to Miami. Um, I'm so excited. I'm going to Miami, so we're going to have a little bit of a break uh, for about two weeks, but then I'll be back to finish up with the last three episodes of the 12 Cities in Israel um, series. And finally, hey, check out uh, my children's book, Who is a Jew? The Bedtime Story That Tells Your Kids uh, Why Being Jewish is Awesome. Um, and that's it. All right. Yalla bye. Thank you.